0: A podcast one production. Oh, how I've been waiting for this for a while. <laughs> Take it away, my dulcet-toned Adonis.
1: It is so good to be back. Hello, Gisters, and welcome back for another overdue episode of Just The Gist, a weekly-ish podcast that gives you just the gist of what you need to know about a topic we think you'll find interesting enough to bring up at a dinner party. Rosie Waterland, we're back! Yay! Hooray! Here
0: we are! Together across screens. Huzzah. Yes, closer
1: on the continent than we've been for a really long time. We're in the same state. We
0: are in the same state, finally. Well, you're sort of sort of back from your thing in that you are now in Byron Bay and not in the mm-hmm. middle of the northmost point jungle of the country. That's right. And yes. your tan is looking less cultural appropriation, and more just had a day at the
1: beach. (laughs) Um, I don't know how to take that. Okay.
0: (laughs) So first of all, I will say I owe you an apology, Jacob, because Mm. that first week your computer shat itself. So we did that emergency republish of an episode and Caleb stepped in for... Breaking news, which did you did you like that? Did you listen to it?
1: I really, really did. <laughs> <laughs> I've been practicing Caleb's voice.
0: Um for the oh my last god, try it.
1: Go. Oh, someone's gotta be the adult in this relationship, Rosanna.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that is so it.
1: <laughs> Negative gearing. Oh god.
0: <laughs> he is just, I mean, it people really loved it. Um, I think because people don't believe me when I say that he is, like, a 60-year-old man in a young body. Like, he is Mm. truly a young fogey. And when people heard it, they were like, oh, my God, you weren't exaggerating.
1: And I think that I'd become immune to it having spent a fair bit of time with him and with you in Sydney, so I just sort of got used to it and then not speaking to him for a while and hearing him on the podcast like that. It just stood out in such stark contrast. And it was funny as well because the other day I was – reading some article that was saying people who are in their 40s and 50s really need to make sure that they've got a two-way mentoring relationship with someone who's in their early 20s to help them stay current. Otherwise, they're just going to sort of become (laughs) the next generation of boomers who get completely left behind and confused by the way that the world operates. So you really need to find someone who's young to keep you up to date. And I was like, who do I know in their 20s? Um, Caleb. No, No, Caleb's not going to (laughs) be
0: It's the other way around. <laughs> well, we've actually, uh, it's so funny because we we actually started dating, met each other and started dating because we were thinking about starting a podcast together because we, fi- we found out just at the time friendship so funny and weird in that. You know, I was older, he was younger, but I seem younger and he seems older. And I'm obsessed with like mm. pop culture and nonsense and he's obsessed with politics and serious stuff. I always say to people, I'm like woo and he's like, mmm. <laughs> and um so we had this idea like maybe we should do a <laughs> podcast where we just like, I don't know, give our different sort of interpretations of the news that week, news that I think is important, news that he thinks impo- is important and kind of get each other's perspectives on what's going on in the world. And so we, I was in Adelaide for work and we met up to um, talk about the podcast and then we just ended up making out instead. And the rest is history. <laughs> <laughs> we never did the podcast, but now I live in Adelaide. <laughs> part-time, part-time.
1: Are you hinting that this might finally happen?
0: The podcast? Oh, mm. uh, don't know I mean yeah it's it's sort of something we're always like oh yeah we should do that that's funny idea we should do that we should do that and then we just kind of we're both so busy that we just don't ever do it so I suppose if you Mm. want that podcast please let us know I mean people did love hearing us together last week so maybe I'll boot you like Emily and have him on here maybe
1: Oh, I saw that coming. Yeah, I posted a photo oh, well, with Emily, I've, our
0: mysterious third host, on the weekend, and um, people were excited to finally see what she looks like.
1: Ah, uh, love that girl. Yep. All right. Well, I've been paid already, so fine. <laughs>
0: yeah, I did bring that up to say that. Um, my apology is because your computer shut itself. So J- uh, Caleb stepped in. We did that. And then the next week we couldn't record and everyone just assumed it's because you were in the jungle. And we kept getting all these messages going, oh, can Caleb, um, Caleb, (laughs) oh shit, it's happening already. (laughs) Can Jacob get out? (sighs) Can Jacob get out of the jungle and fix his computer? We really need an episode. And you copped the brunt of people being annoyed that there wasn't an episode for the second week in a row, but it was me. I was feeling very anxious last week. I've been struggling a little bit extra with my anxiety for probably about the last month, and um, it just got to a point where I was – I think because my anxiety in the past has uh, reached, like, quite intense places – I tend to overcorrect. So the second I start feeling more anxious than usual and, and I'm and I'm not sure what's going on, I'm like, oh shit, I think I need to go to hospital. Or maybe I need to change my medication. I need to do something serious. I need to do and and so I started freaking out. But I think, you know, after talking to the people I talked to and everything, what I really just needed was a week off a week to like go home and see my family in Sydney. So that's why I'm recording from Sydney now because I'm here visiting the kids and stuff. And I just needed to, you know, step back for a little bit. So I left you in charge of the Just The Gis Instagram, which you managed <laughs> quite well, and the emails, <laughs> etc. cetera, and I just stepped back from all of it and looked at all the comments coming in of people blaming you for there not being an episode and I was like, ha, ha. It was me. (laughs) So I do very much apologise there was an episode last week, but, you know, I think it's important to be honest about this stuff. I have anxiety and sometimes it kicks in in a way that means I need to step back a little and that's what I did last week and I know that everybody who listens is lovely and supportive and understanding of that stuff. So, um, yeah, that's it. you got to take care of yourself. Put yourself first.
1: Very true. Good on you for sharing that. There's definitely no shame in it. I'm
0: so brave. (laughs) I'm so hashtag brave. (laughs) Yeah, so that's what happened and it was lovely to come to Sydney. It was the cutest thing because I haven't seen my niece and nephew in so long and we decided to surprise them so we didn't tell them I was coming and I got to the house and Aya saw me walk down the hallway and she ran up to me and I crouched down to give her a hug and she put both her hands on my cheeks and looked into my eyes like she couldn't believe what she was seeing and she went, whoa, Oh. <laughs>
1: it was so
0: cute. Oh. And Muhammad was upstairs playing PlayStation so he didn't come down for like a minute and I was like, why isn't he coming? Like, get F, Muhammad, I'm here, man. Like, how dare you? And then all of a sudden I heard him go, <gasps> Rosie! And he came down his head. And he was like, I heard voices. I just thought it was one of my mum's lame friends. And then he, like, <laughs> gave me this big hug. And it was really nice. I had a sleepover. We had lots of fun. Um, I got sick of being there after, like, an hour because they're all just chaotic and it's mayhem and it's crazy. Mm. No, but really, I love them. And then we went to the zoo. <laughs> we went to the zoo on Sunday, which was great. And I bought Aya a $40 stuffed tiger. So... She better like it.
1: <laughs> Get her to watch Tiger King, then she'll fall in love with it.
0: Yeah, so that was, you know, I think seeing the fan bam was, a, you know, I think for me it was like before you make any drastic steps, before you think you need to go to hospital, before, like, do simple things. Like, go see your family. Like, take mm. some time off. And I'm just already feeling a million, zillion percent better. So...
1: It's so good to hear.
0: I know. And then yeah. I'll be back to Adelaide on Thursday. So I'll be back in Adelaide by the time you guys are listening with Caleb. I'll be in Adelaide. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I can't even do it now. Wait. He says things like he'll, people say he talks like Christopher Palm because he does that weird.
1: Yeah, um, I saw all those comments he draws coming through. His, and
0: sounds out weird.
1: Oh, I meant to Google who Christopher mm. Pine is. I still have no idea. Was so. he in Star Wars?
0: <laughs> yes. <Okay. laughs> he was in Star Wars. Wait, that's his name, right, Christopher Pine? Yeah, and the other guy's Chris Pine, the movie star.
1: Oh, oh, okay. And he's
0: isn't he the one who accidentally posted a photo of his um penis recently?
1: That was Chris Evans. Oh, that was Captain Chris America. Evans. Oh, that's
0: right. <laughs> There's about eight thousand movie stars called Chris. That's um, right. So, um, with all of that out of the way, are you ready for. <gasps> <gasps> breaking news, a breaking news! I got the scoop, I see, extra, extra, read all about it, a breaking news! Huge breaking news Anna Delvey, which is. By coincidence, the episode we dropped last week.
1: Yeah.
0: All of a sudden on her Instagram, because I follow her on Instagram and I highly suggest everybody does, it's the Anna Delvey on Instagram. She posted the clip from Legally Blonde where Elle Woods finds out she got a high enough score to get into law school, and all the girls mm. put her on their shoulders and their streamers and cheering. So Anna Delvey just posted that and underneath wrote, parole. Mm. And so then I immediately Googled it. She has got parole. Parole.
1: Oh, she has. Yeah.
0: So she, after everything, and, you know, if you didn't listen last week when we republished, you really should, after everything she did, she got sentenced to four to 12 years in prison in April last year. Mm-hmm. And a few days ago she went to a parole hearing. Parole got approved and she's going to be released in February
1: 2021.
0: Oh, wow. So served less than a year.
1: Wow. And
0: her lawyer said... She has paid her debt to society and I hope society repays the favour. And I sort of read that and I was like, well, they don't need to repay anything because she stole from society so she was repaying them, I think.
1: That's right. does statement doesn't just makes absolutely no yet. sense. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Apparently when she gets released she'll be deported immediately immediately to Germany.
1: Uh-huh.
0: But I don't know. But... um. She's saying that she wants to go live in London because she's allowed to travel in Europe, but Mm. with COVID, I mean, who knows, but she wants to go live in London. There's two shows being made about her life right now. I mean, I think she's going to be a big star when she gets out.
1: She already has such a huge fan base. So I found out about this yesterday because someone tagged us in the post. So I looked at it and um, ventured into the comments and they were all adoring, loving fans, cheering her on. They were all so excited for her, calling her the queen. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I feel like she's going to turn this into a massive successful career in some capacity.
0: It's like we said in the episode, like when she was on trial, her lawyer basically said like, Compared her to like a dreamer who just didn't quite make it. Like, yes, she mm. cut some corners, but if she had made it, she would have been really successful. And, you know, compared her to like other people who had gone to New York to make their dreams come true. And so I think that's the narrative she's kind of pushing now. Like, yep. I did, I, I you know, almost did it and maybe uh, I still can. So, uh,
1: it's compelling. It's good viewing. Uh,
0: dream big, steal handbags. All of that. <laughs> oh, the other breaking news I have is um, I don't even know if I want to bring this guy up, but I just think it's funny, and I hope I hope this happens to him. You know, um, John Wayne Bobbitt, uh, who the yeah. episode we did, his wife, you know, I think quite justifiably cut his penis off. Agreed. He has been in hospital the last couple of weeks because apparently he had an accident, like something like eight years ago and got an ulcer in his leg that has just never healed. Mm. And I just feel like it never healed because he looks like someone who doesn't shower. Like, I just, Uh. you know what I mean? (laughs) Like, I don't know. Anyway, Um, and now they're thinking they might have to amputate his leg because of that. (laughs) And, like, they showed pictures of his leg on TMZ and it looks pretty bad. So he may have got a penis back, but... You know, it's like karma comes through in the end. Yeah. He's going to lose something.
1: Karma's going to take one of your appendages. Yes, exactly. And it's going to be a big one. Yeah. So I'll, I haven't <laughs> The penis seen, was too small. It's
0: too small. I haven't seen if um, it's, I mean, I saw that like a week ago. So I haven't seen if he's since had the leg removed, but I'll keep you posted because TMZ is on the case. Mm-hmm. Highbrow journalism, <laughs> as always, <laughs> is what I consume. Um, and the last thing is, oh, my gosh, this thing that I watched on Binge, a documentary that actually a few people emailed us about, um, but I'd already watched it, of course, um, this documentary called Class Action Park. Have you watched it? No. So it's about this theme park back that was built back in the 70s and people went to it in the 70s and 80s in New Jersey And six people died there because it was basically just like a a theme park with no rules. It was just like the Wild West. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of like a wet and wild, like so it was a water park. And so there's all these like crazy water slides. But the guy who um, owned the park and built it and invented it, he just designed the rides himself. So he would be like, oh, I want a water Mm -hmm. slide just with one giant loop that you go full 360. And so they would build it. (laughs) And then they'd send dummies down it and the dummies would come out like decapitated and he'd be like, "Mm, okay, so let's just like adjust (laughs) it. So they like adjusted a tiny little bit and then he had all these teenagers working in the park, like 15, 16-year-olds, and he'd pay Mm. them a 100 bucks to test the rides out, which they did and a lot of them got really badly injured. Yeah, like really badly injured. And so this park was like the wild west but it was also where every single kid who lived in the area went during the summer holidays like you just because this was a time where you know your parents were like okay see you at dinner like and so you just would go to action Mm. park and hang out all day in the pools and the water slides and stuff and they said it was like a rite of passage like they were interviewing kids who grew up they're like if you turned up to school after the holidays with your arm in a sling it would be like action park and you'd be like yeah man like It was just (laughs) no rules, like nothing. And so it's, like, really, like, funny and bizarre watching this thing about this theme park that just had no regulation. But then they start getting into the darker side of it, which is that people actually, like, got severely injured. People broke their backs and eventually six people died um, because theme parks back then were just like, eh.
1: Oh, my God. Yeah. In the one instance? No, no, like spread
0: over time. And the owner of the park had so much money and just refused to settle cases. So people who tried to sue him for their dead relatives and loved ones just ended up getting priced out of court because they couldn't afford to keep trying to. Mm. And he sort of had, you know, you watch the documentary and you see, but he had like the theme park made a lot of money for the town. So the town, you know, helped cover things up and keep it open and. But it was just basically a bunch of teenagers running the park, like there was no adults really, and then a bunch of teenagers and kids going to the park and just spending all day there getting hurt and drowning and stuff. Like it's crazy. It- but it also arises in you this sense of nostalgia for what it was like when we were kids, when things were a lot less yeah. wrapped in cotton wool and you're like things were better mm. then, and but then you're like, oh, wait, but – that's why people died. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe they weren't.
1: <laughs> oh, and actually, right. I didn't, okay.
0: actually, it reminded me a lot, A, of um, Wonderland, which is now, um, mm. that was the theme park in Sydney, which has now been torn down. But um, B, Jamboree, like kind of like just one of those oh. smaller things that someone built themselves and then it just got bigger and bigger and... I mean, I'm sure is fine. Like, sure no one's died there, whatever. But, yeah, this place just looked nuts.
1: You haven't lived as a child, in my opinion, until you've sustained a third-degree burn from falling off the um, giant metal toboggan yes, ride at Jamboree, Jamboree Recreation Park. Yeah, man. Um, that's a rite of passage that mm. I think a lot of people sadly have missed out on.
0: But there is an exact ride like that in Action Park, and that's the one that, like, two people died on and that's what the people <laughs> in this documentary said the exact same thing. You did not live. It was a rite of passage to go down the Alpine Slide. And then all these people are like, it was a rite of passage. You haven't lived. It's an important part of your childhood. And then these parents were like, yeah, our kids died.
1: <laughs> oh, no. <laughs>
0: So, maybe Jamaroo's like got I better want that safety be regulations. <laughs> no, <laughs> but that's the thing. It's the weirdest documentary because it's funny and nostalgic, but then also you're like, oh, but we shouldn't be nostalgic for a time when they didn't look after children.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's a really good documentary. The theme park was called Action Park, and the documentary is called Class Action Park because it's about how much they ended up getting sued. And it's on binge. Okay. I watched it on binge. It's very, very good. So that's my mm-hmm. Reco for this week. Very good. <laughs> what about Caleb last week? Reco? What's Reco? You say <laughs> recommendation. Oh, rec-o for you smoker. <laughs>
1: recommendation.
0: Recommendation. Recommendation. <laughs> Have you got any Recos?
1: This is quite a sincere one. I really hope everyone watches um, My Octopus Teacher, which is just okay. a fascinating. Wait a second.
0: Yeah. I've heard that it's like a weird real-life version of that movie where the woman fell in love with the fish.
1: That, I have not seen that one, The Shape of Water, but mm. it probably is. I didn't read it that way at all, but okay. one of my friends, when I was talking to her about it, she was like, that was weird. He was in <laughs> love with that octopus. Like, he crossed a boundary with that octopus, <gasps> which I didn't, my brain didn't go there
0: That at is all. something you never want someone to describe about you, that you crossed a boundary with that yeah. octopus. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think <laughs> if someone is saying that about you, you've you've made a wrong turn somewhere. I think.
1: Yeah. Oh, um, honestly, I think most people will be able to watch it and their brain won't go there. But uh, okay. obviously, a few people have sort of drawn that. Um, so wow, you brought that up. as a
0: sincere, lovely reco.
1: That honestly, I want everyone to watch it. It's an incredible story, and the footage is absolutely amazing. Okay. Um, and also, uh, David Attenborough, A Life on Our Planet. You, I guarantee you will uh, ball yes. your eyes out when that's you watch on my list. that. Yeah, that's on it's my list. It's definitely worth it. Just, for God's sake, don't wear any mascara and um, maybe mm. don't plan anything for after it because you'll okay. need to just sit in silence for a little oh, while. God. Okay. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Alrighty.
0: Well, I guess that's all. Oh, wait. What?
1: What? Well, I've been waiting and waiting to give you this present, and considering this might be my last episode because I'm getting fired, I guess this is my <laughs> last opportunity. What? Oh, I wish you'd been with me when I bought this, but um, I was driving along in the Atherton Tablelands yeah. in Queensland in the morning and came across this billboard that said "Exotic Tropical Fruit Wines" 250 meters <laughs> ahead, and sure enough. In the lee of a picturesque (gasps) ridge Lies a small, unpretentious winery One that pampers (laughs) its fruit Like its own babies And hello, who is she? And how do we get a mouthful of her? You
0: got me a Herbspring Springer wine I sure
1: (laughs) did I got you a bottle of Panama Gold Dry Mango Wine
0: (gasps) It sounds disgusting (laughs) Gusting, and I'm so excited to drink it.
1: <laughs> it's actually really, really good, and of course it said on the sign, open at 9:30 a.m. And I was like, yes, breakfast wine tasting. <laughs> Thanks very much. And so they grow all their own tropical fruits and make their own fruit wines, and wow. I'm drinking some of my oh, own I'm right, drinking now. Some right now. Right mm. oh, now,
0: I wish I. Awesome. I I'm know going that, to send it to you. Well, I know that you want to act like you you bought that for me quite generously, but I know you bought it just so you could do that little Moira Rose monologue on the podcast. <laughs> 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 I meanwhile. <sighs> Have your birthday present from August still sitting at home in my house. I should have brought it today to open it for you on camera.
1: Oh, uh, take it to Adelaide with you, and you can show it to me next week, and then we can do a little mail exchange to each oh, other.
0: Okay, that's a good idea. That's a good idea. Mm. Okay, so was that breaking news?
1: That was pretty much it. My flute line.
0: All right. Here Karen craftsmanship
1: into every glaze. All right, take it away.
0: Breaking news. Oh, my God, you know what I just realised? We were so excited to be talking to each other after two weeks, I didn't even mention what the topic is this week.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, everyone. <laughs> if you've stuck around, then <laughs> through us just having a catch-up. Um, this week I am telling uh, you just the gist of the 1976 Chow Chowchilla bus kidnapping.
1: The 19... 19- what? <laughs>
0: Here we go again. The 1976 Chilla mm-hmm. bus kidnapping.
1: Okay.
0: Chilla is a town.
1: Okay. Consider me clueless.
0: Okay. So basically a bus driver and 26 school children were kidnapped at once. Wow. I know. So okay. here's the thing. I saw this. It's been on my list for about a year because I saw it on one of those, like it was probably BuzzFeed or something like, 10 of the most crazy crimes you've never heard of, you know what I mean? And it's like how is it that 26 children were kidnapped at once and it's not something we've really heard of? Like, But at the time it was the biggest international news story in the world because these kids just disappeared and everyone was like it was crazy. But I guess just over time mm. it's not really, maybe it is big in America but here I've I'd never heard of it until I read it on this list. Um, and then a couple months or a few months ago, I heard the My Favourite Murder Girls talking about it and I was like, oh, man, I've got to do that one. Mm. And so here it is. We're doing it. chiller, school bus, Ooh. kidnapping. Are you ready for this? It sounds like it's going
1: to be so much fun. chilla,
0: 1976. Uh, what's playing on the radio? Disco. Uh, a president is president. <laughs> I don't know enough pertinent details (laughs) about the 70s to set the scene. (laughs) Um, It's 15th of July, so it's summer in America. Chowchilla is a little town. It's got less than 5,000 people. Um, I watched this episode of a thing called 48 Hours We Survived or something, and it's where they interviewed a bunch of the, uh, who are now adults, a bunch of the kids who were in the bus. They called it a cow town. It was a cow town. Um, apparently, you know, you could, it was one of those little towns where you could drive through the main strip of the town in less than 30 seconds. One of the women says, ain't nobody ever locked their doors. So, like, one of those little towns where everyone felt safe and everyone in knew the each south. other. No, it's in the north of California, but because it's, like, so in the country and it people do have those kinds of accents, like, or mm-hmm. one of the women did, so that's how I'm doing them all. Okay. <laughs> It's funner to do. But they definitely don't sound just regular Californian like you see people in the movies. They sound a bit more country. Mm -hmm. So, like I said, it's summer, uh, which is the holidays in America, and um, a bunch of kids who were part of like a, you know, like school holiday care where you like go into school during the day because your parents work or whatever. So a bunch of kids were doing that. And on this Mm -hmm. particular day, they had an excursion to the local pool. So the bus driver drove them all into the pool. There's kids from ages 5 to 14. And part of what I love about this is that there's, like, no teachers or anything. And so, like, can you imagine today a parent of a five-year-old kid going, oh, yeah, that bus driver can drop my kid at the pool and then pick them up nine hours later?
1: (laughs) That was their only adult supervision. They didn't have any other sort of caregiver looking up to the group doing a head count.
0: Well, there was lifeguards at the pool. (gasps)
1: Wow. I mean,
0: this isn't... This isn't important to the story. <laughs> this is just what they did on the day. Okay. <laughs> but, yes, this Sorry. was the 70s, man. It's just
1: hard to picture.
0: It was the 70s. Yeah. It's like Class Action Park. It's just, like, drop them off and let them go and someone will pick them up and then Hope I'll- for the best. There you go. So this bus driver um, picks them all up in the morning and, you know, in America the bus picks you up pretty much from your house. Like, they do pretty comprehensive mm. uh, bus stops over there for school kids. And so they all got picked up. They got dropped at the pool. And then at four o'clock, the bus driver was there to um, pick them up again. So all the kids get on the bus. It's been a really long, hot day. A lot of them are in their swimmers. The bus driver is called Edward Ray. The kids call him Ed. And he's been the school bus driver in Charchilla for 26 years. So everyone knows him. Everyone loves him. He's driving the kids of other kids he had once driven to school, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. They drop a few kids off along the route home and then all of a sudden they get to this intersection and there's a white van blocking the intersection and um, Ed, you know, assumes that they're probably just broken down. So he sort of goes to drive around them and as he's on the side, he opens the bus door to like say, do you need any help? Do you need me to, when I get into town, call a tow truck or something? And when he opens the door, a guy with um, pantyhose over his head, which I just think when someone has pantyhose over their head, like that is the freakiest looking, mm. you know what I mean? Blech. Yeah, um, the way Pete. it distorts
1: the features yes. like a fetus. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> Have you thought
1: know, about that show in detail you, before? <laughs> people show you their um, ultrasoundy thingies and they're like, oh, isn't it so cute? <laughs> Its face is all mushed up against the side of your uterus. It's terrifying.
0: (laughs) Do you remember in drama school our favourite pose to do in photos was the fetus pose and you and I would both start it. Like people would be like, pose, and you and I would both go. Why did we think that was so funny? And also why did I just bring it up on a podcast where no one can see what we just did? (laughs) (laughs) trust us it was
1: hilarious
0: (laughs) so this guy with pantyhose over his head storms on the bus tells ed the bus driver to head down the back of the bus and there's the cutest bit in the um in the interviews i watched with some of the adult survivors this guy was like when the bus driver came down the back i he was he was five years old at the time And he said, when Ed came down the back, I didn't really know what was going on, but I was just really annoyed because, like, I knew I wasn't allowed to be late home. And I remember looking at him and telling him, if he didn't get me home on time, my dad would be on him like stink on skunk. (laughs) So he was like, the kids just didn't really, they were like, what's going on? Who's this guy. But then a second guy with pantyhose over his head gets on the bus and he has a massive double barrel sawn off shotgun and that's when all the kids are like I understand that guns are bad now I'm scared Mm -hmm. and apparently Ed like they'd never seen him angry before he'd always just been like the jovial town school bus driver and he suddenly looked terrified and just said to them just shut up be quiet and do what they say so the kids Mm -hmm. saw that he was scared and that like made them think this is serious Mm -hmm. so the guy with the gun points the gun at all of them and the second guy starts driving the bus away and a third person gets is in their van and is following the bus in the van. Mm-hmm. And um, they drive to like basically just this sort of heavy bit of like nature mm-hmm. um, and park the bus, you know, in a place where it's hidden amongst like trees and whatever. And then another van pulls up um, at the doors of the bus. They open the doors of the bus and the back of the van is like directly where the doors are. And they tell all the kids they have to jump from the bus into the back of the van. Mm-hmm. And the van is like super reinforced, soundproofed, no windows. Like it's like getting into just a dark box of nothing. Yeah. And um, so half the kids get into that one. That one fills up. Then another van turns up. So this is like a very organized operation the other kids get into that van and there's it's pitch black there's no food or water there's no ventilation and both vans then drive for 12 hours oh yeah <laughs> 12 hours Apparently, like, kids are crying, kids are throwing up because they're getting really sick because it's boiling hot summer. Mm. Like, kids are freaking out. The older kids, the oldest of which, when I say older kids, the oldest was 14. Mm. So the older kids are trying to comfort the younger kids and then they start, <laughs> this is so cute, they start singing because they're like, okay, let's, like, sing to keep the little oh, kids, um, like, feeling good. And do you mm. want to know what song they sang? 1976, one of the most popular songs on radio?
1: Uh, was it a disco tune? No. Jungle Boogie? I don't know. They sang. <clears throat>
0: <clears throat> love, love will keep us together.
1: <laughs> Think of me,
0: babe, whenever. That
1: song. That's so Sounds awesome. <laughs>
0: thing, girl comes along, sit, that song. So they were singing that. And then they also sung, um, they started singing, if you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. But they changed the word happy to sad because they were all
1: sad. Oh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they were being kidnapped after all. <laughs> so it's like a 12-hour they journey to they don't know where because they're literally in the pitch darkness. They can't mm. see anything. Finally, they stop. And the kids who are in the van with Ed say the door, the back of the, the door of the van opened, they yank Ed out and then just shut mm. the door. And so mm. nobody knows. They're like, Where they took the only adult and the kids are freaking out. Then a few minutes passed, they open the door again, reach in and just grab the closest kid, yank them out, shut the door. Oh, and God. they start and the kids are like, What the F? Like, they're thinking, are they are we being murdered? Like, are we, what's happening? And they that's how they get them all out of the van, one by one. Open the door, grab one, shut the door. Open the door, grab one, shut the door. Um, The oldest kid on the bus is a 14-year-old called Mike and he's sort of trying to comfort everyone in his van and it gets down to the point where there's just him and a five-year-old girl in the van, just the two of them left. And he's freaking out because he doesn't – he's like, are they killing them out there? Like, I don't – should I – and he's like – so he had to make the decision between getting out of the van first and facing whatever's outside and leaving this little five-year-old girl in the van alone or making her go first so he would stay in there alone but not knowing if it was a bad thing. Like, and he's talking about it in this – like, it's he didn't know what to do. So in the end he decided – it's better if I go out first because I know what's in this van. So I know that whatever's out there, I don't know what it is, but I do know in here. And so he had to like, she was screaming. He had to tear himself off her because she was being left in this van, pitch black van by herself. He goes out and when he gets out, he says um, all he saw, they were in the middle of like bush or to them it's woods and there was a ladder popping up out of the ground that was going down into mm. the ground and he got sent down this ladder. Uh, yeah, he got sent look. down this ladder Mm-mm. and two minutes later the girl followed him down so he was like, oh, thank God. Um, and then down there they mm-hmm. see that they're all down there. So all the 26 kids and Ed, the bus driver, have been sent down this ladder underground into what was kind of like a little kind of bunker almost but, like, a really yep. crappily, like, it didn't look stable. It didn't look structurally sound. They couldn't really tell what the walls were made out of. They didn't know how dirt wasn't just caving in on them. There was a table with some uh, buckets of water on it. There was a little bit of food. There was um really dirty mattresses on, like, on the floor. And there was a hole into a kind of box that they assumed was, like, to go to the toilet and Mm -hmm. that was it there was also a fan like um sending air into the hole so they were like well at least we're not gonna bloody suffocate like there was some kind of air coming in
1: but still this is proper horror movie stuff that's
0: why i'm like how have people not hurt how is this not the most famous story ever
1: I do feel like it's probably inspired a couple of things because there's definitely a South Park episode where this same sort of premise happens that a bus is somehow derailed and then one by one the kids start going missing. And then Jeepers Creepers is actually a really good movie for the first 45 minutes until they introduce (laughs) a monster. It's terrifying up until that point because it's a bus that breaks down in the middle of nowhere and then one by one the people start Disappearing, and you have no idea what's going on. And then, yeah, it's a shame. Spoiler alert, it turns out to be a demon from hell or some <laughs> bullshit. It's like a, a man dressed up as Batman. Um,
0: Demons but always yeah, I feel ruin like it's inspired the story.
1: some pop culture things. Well, I know. When things go supernatural and they don't need to, it's so disappointing. I know.
0: It's always scarier when it's something that could actually get you. Maybe it's more famous in America. Like, I don't, you know, I don't know. Mm. But then I found it on a list. It was, and it was an American list of like crazy crimes. You, it's that it's crazy you've never heard of. So anyway, I don't know. Yeah. But there is no demon to spoil the day in this one. It's better. Good.
1: Um, this is genuinely terrifying mm. so far. Keep okay. going.
0: So once all the kids are in there, they pull up the ladder. So they're just looking up at this hole, and the ladder is pulled out, and they just say, "We'll be back," and they cover the hole. Up in the ceiling, which they can't reach without the ladder. Mm -hmm. They cover the hole, which they said they weren't sure what it was, but it sounded really heavy like it was a bit of cement or something like something really heavy, Mm -hmm. like thudded down over the hole. And so they're all like standing in there, and then all of a sudden they hear a truck, and this is where it gets really horrifying they hear what is clearly the sound of soil and dirt being emptied on top of the hole, like, on top of them. So that's when the older kids and Ed are like, we're being buried alive down here. We're being
1: buried alive. No. Yeah.
0: Oh. Um, Meanwhile, back in Chilla, at about 4.30, all the parents were like, hey, where are our kids? Because none of them came home. So the parents at first waited a bit and, like, they're like, why isn't the bus come? This is really weird. They start calling each other. They're like, is your kid home? No, mine's not. And so soon they figure out that only the first few kids got dropped off. And then they're like, the bus has literally disappeared. 26 kids, a bus, and a bus driver. It's just, they don't know where it is. So they call the police and, um, they, the police and the parents sort of go on the bus route and they're looking for it. Um, they can't find it anywhere. And so it immediately becomes a really big story because it's like a school bus full of school children has vanished. Like they don't know what happened. Has it crashed? Has it, they have no idea. So they call in the FBI who send 30 agents because, you know, these are white kids. Um <laughs> It's true. Come on, you know it's true. <gasps> yeah. Um, they take this oh. very seriously. They set up a command centre in the town um, and everyone's looking and eventually um, with an air search they see the bus where it's been hidden in the woods. Mm. So they go there and they see that, like, there's um sort of tyre tracks around it so they know that, well, they assume the kids have been taken somewhere in another vehicle or some mm. other vehicle's. Um, This is a huge news story, like Mm -hmm. literally the president's commenting on it, every single news show in the country and the world is talking about it. Everyone's reporting on it. Everyone's like, where are these kids? But there's Mm. just no sign of them. They've got this command centre, but they're just like, well, what? We're just sitting, they were just waiting for some kind of clue or lead or anything, and there was nothing. Mm. Back down in the hole. Oh, have you got a question?
1: Oh, I was just gonna say it's a nightmare on both sides. It's mm. like the worst thing imaginable, whether you're in the hole or you're one of the parents. I mean, yeah. being buried alive is one of the most awful forms of torture you could possibly imagine. And losing your children collectively <laughs> all at one time and having no idea what's going on.
0: And imagine like When they couldn't find the bus, you'd be horrified, like they've crashed, they've crashed somewhere, we've got to find Mm. them. And then you find the bus and you're relieved to see they haven't crashed, but then you're like, but what the F, where are they?
1: And remarkable that they were able to find the bus, it had driven 12 hours in God knows what direction and they somehow managed to... No, the
0: bus hadn't. So they, the bus drove about... (gasps) Oh, that's right. Yeah, like a couple miles out of town and then the vans drove 12 hours. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but still, yeah. So it's just, and of course, 12 hours away, they have no way of no, like they're never going to find them. You know what I mean? It's just crazy. Yeah. So back down in the hole, all the food is gone because by the time they got in the hole, they hadn't eaten in like, you know, well, what 15, 16 hours. So they ate the mm. food really quickly. Um, but they were trying to ration the water, but it's very hard to ration water when you've got a bunch of five and six year olds who are crying and sick and scared, but the water's almost gone. The fan that was sending air into the hole it's turned off, stopped working, and so they're like, "We're gonna, we're gonna suffocate in here. Like this is bad." And then, purely just by chance, one of the kids is kicking the sort of side of the um, whatever, it, like the structure is that's holding this hole all together, mm. and when he kicks it, the ceiling caves in a little, and. When Ed, the bus driver, and Mike, the oldest kid, see that, they're just like, we can't, we're going to die in here anyway. Like, that ceiling is going to cave in. We don't have any air, like, effort. Let's just try and escape. Like, they might be right up there, but you know what? Doing something is better than doing nothing. And yep. so... um like thinking that the roof could cave in at any minute, they were just like, let's hurry up. So they got all the mattresses that were around the little hole and they stack them up, which gives Mike enough height. He climbs to the top of the mattresses and he reaches the little hatch door in the top that the ladder had been through. Um, But like they suspected, there was like something really heavy on top of it and he's balancing on these mattresses and he's trying to move it. Um, and he he's saying like he could barely move it. It was like moving a block of mm. cement. But then all the kids are going like, "Come on, Mike! Come on!" Like, because like try. And he said it was like, um, you know, when um, mothers get superhuman strength and lift cars yeah. off babies, like because cars, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <He said he, laughs> <laughs> cars are always on babies. Yeah. He said cars are always on babies. It's a very common thing for mothers to do that. Yes. Um, he set, like he got that, and so he just moved this cement thing like half a foot, the tiniest little slit, and he decides to crawl through it because he's like, okay, if I can get out, I can at least see what's out there, go for help, I don't know, just figure something out. Pretty effing brave, like not knowing they could just be out there with guns, like yeah. but he's like, no, we're getting out. Mm-hmm. So he crawls through this tiny slit, and when he's on top of the cement block that is the lid he finds himself he's like inside a box so they've put this kind of box around it so he kind of punches his way through the box and all this dirt starts falling through so obviously they're just under this huge dirt kind of mound mm. but the kids are uh, being interviewed say that as he's punching his way out of the box like rays of sunshine start coming down into the like bunker hole thing and so they're all like yes like we're gonna get out so mike gets out of the box covering the hole which was also under a mound of dirt and he looks Mm. around and he's just in the middle of the woods like the bush and there's no one there and um there's no kidnappers there's no vans like nothing and he said that like the entry to the hole um like that he just punched his way out of the box when he turned around it just looked like a little hill of dirt like it just no one would ever have found it. Like it just looked like quite mm-hmm. naturally a bit of dirt had built up and it was just if he hadn't have punched his way out, nobody would ever have looked twice at that mm-hmm. little thing in the woods. And so it kind of, oh, you know what I it reminded me of, the way it was described. Do you remember when um they found Saddam Hussein in that hole underground and the top of the... Lid. It was basically just like an esky lid that they'd covered with dirt, and then the soldiers kind of brushed right. the dirt away, lifted the lid, and he was underground in this thing. It kind of was like that. You don't watch news, so I you probably don't remember.
1: Ag- <laughs> no, but um, I. I know the episode of Arrested Development where they sort of recreated yes. that with George Bluth when he was hiding <laughs> from Lucille. Yes, yes, it's exactly
0: like that. It's like, like you would never know. Like it was there. It was very well yeah. like disguised. Um, so mm-hmm. um, Ed, down the bus driver down in the hole, he starts helping all the kids climb out um, and Mike pulls them up. Like Ed lifts them up and then Mike pulls them out. By the time... They all get out of the hole. It's 8 o'clock at night, and they can hear, like, cars or something in the distance, so they all start walking together, like 26 kids, most of them in their swimmers, and Ed, the bus driver, start walking through the woods towards just what they are hoping is a road or something. Mm. Um, when they finally reach the sounds, it's um, a quarry, which is, like, where they do, like, farming stuff and digging stuff. and <laughs>
1: They dig rocks out of the ground. Right, yes. At a quarry, yes. It's a
0: big quarry. Um, And they walk up to one of the quarry dudes and Ed says, hi, we're from Chowchilla and we're lost. Mm. And, of course, the quarrymen know who they are because it's the biggest news story in the world and it's not like there's another bus driver with 26 kids just randomly walking around. So um, the police rush there and then... They put all the kids on a bus. Oh, <laughs> I know, but how else are they gonna? Trigger warning.
1: Oh. They put all the
0: kids on a bus and they drive them to a local jail because um, that's kind of the only place with enough sort of space and to right. put them all in the same place and to interview uh-huh. them or whatever. So they put they drive them to this jail and they put all the kids into prison jumpsuits because they're like clean and dry. <laughs> And one of the little kids said later as an adult, she's like, oh, are we in trouble? Like, she thought they were in trouble and they were getting sent to jail.
1: Of course she would.
0: <laughs> um, But what's nuts to me, like, there was no parents. Like, they drove them to this jail, got them dressed, gave them food and water and everything, but then questioned them for four hours before they let them go. And so they finally put them on a bus to um, drive home to Chowchilla to their families, but get this, even though they drove for 12 hours to get to the hole, they were only two hours from Chowchilla. So the kidnappers had just driven around and around and around and around for 12 hours to confuse them.
1: Wow, so they were still in California?
0: Yeah, they were only two hours from home. Yeah.
1: Wow. So by the
0: the time the kids get home, it's um, 4 a.m., there's huge crowds, like, you know, 100 reporters, news crews, um, and you can watch the footage online. It's really nuts. So, like, all these just really shell-shocked kids, these five-year-olds in, like, adult prison jumpsuits so the arms and legs are folded <laughs> up. And they're, like, getting off the bus like, what is this? Like, they're just all like, what's happening? And the reporters um. are all yelling their names, and so the kids are like, what? And it's very, like, it's it's crazy footage to watch. And so they finally get to go home to their parents. Back at the hole when uh, the police, like they police go and find the hole and dig it up, and they, when they dig it up they realise that the kids and Ed had actually been in the back of a moving truck. So the kidnappers had buried an entire moving truck underground And then cut a hole in the top of the truck and had put them in that, in the the trailer of the truck. Wow. Yeah. Uh Um, And because that would have been an incredibly difficult and noticeable thing to do, and it's the kind of thing that someone who works in a quarry would have the Mm. ability to do, to dig that Mm. deep underground, and there was a quarry really nearby, they Mm -hmm. were like, we think maybe this is someone connected to the quarry.
1: <laughs> so, <laughs> what a sleuth job. I know.
0: So the police go through security footage at the quarry, which I found I was like, oh, like that's it's 1976, but I guess they had that. And they notice three dudes digging a big hole with trucks mm. and, you know, what do they call those things on Bob? Uh, I
1: want Tra- to say forklift, but that's definitely not right.
0: What's the tractor thing that digs? Earth mover? Excavator? Anyway, Muhammad would know, (laughs) damn it. Uh. You know, one of those things that digs dirt out of the ground. So, you know, they were bloody digging a big hole. It's hard to not notice digging a hole big enough to put a truck in. And then Mm -hmm. how would they lower the truck? Like, this was obviously people with major equipment and stuff. So they see these three guys on the security footage uh, digging this hole. And one of the guys on the security footage is the very wealthy quarry owner's son, 24-year-old Frederick Newell Woods IV. Oh,
1: if you don't mind.
0: So they go to Frederick's mansion, which is not his mansion, it's his dad's mansion because he still lives with daddy. Mm. And at the mansion, I swear to God, they find a sheet of paper. We always say that criminals, especially white, male, straight ones are the biggest idiots. Mm -hmm. At the mansion, they find a sheet of paper. (laughs) with the word plan written at the top in big block letters. (laughs) And underneath the word plan was a whole bunch of details about the plan to kidnap a bunch of kids. (laughs) There was um, also a ransom note um, in there. And so obviously they were going to ask for a ransom at some point. Um, And uh, it also had details of the two people who he'd done it with his very wealthy friends, two brothers called Richard and James Schoenfeld. So the police are like, oh, okay, so we know you did it. But the three of them all ran off before they could be arrested, but they were idiots, so they were all caught within two weeks. Mm. And that's when they explain the ransom note. And this is where they're even dumber than having a piece of paper with the word plan on it in their house. Mm. So the night of the kidnapping they kept trying to call the Chowchilla Police Department to be like, we're the kidnappers, give us money. They were asking for $5 million for the return of all the kids. But every time they tried to call the police department, they couldn't get through because the phone was constantly busy with like media calling and parents calling and it was the (sighs) biggest news story in the world, so it was constantly engaged. (laughs) So they couldn't get through to the police department to be like, It's us and we want cash. So they were like, okay, well, let's go to sleep and try again in the morning. Mm. And they wake up in the morning, turn on the news and see that the kids have been found safe and are now back at home in (laughs) Chowchilla. So literally they went to bed just in another place. Like like I'm not going to tell you how to like kidnap kids better, but like one of you should watch the whole. Like, (laughs) They literally woke up in the morning, turned on the TV, and were like, oh, shit, they escaped.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow, this is white male arrogance at its finest.
0: White male arrogance. (laughs) So, (gasps) James... James Schoenfeld, one of the rich Mm -hmm. brothers, said that even though the three of them came from incredibly wealthy families, uh, they had personally gotten into some bad debts that they were too embarrassed to tell their parents about. So they had decided to do um, the kidnapping. He said, we needed multiple victims to get multiple millions and we picked children because children are precious. The state would be willing to pay ransom for them and they don't fight back. They're vulnerable. They will mind. So the three of them just sound like spoiled brats and also the three of them had been charged with grand theft auto a few years earlier too, but their parents who were really rich had managed to get them off on that charge. So they just sound like those kind of rich kids who like uh, uh, just have no work ethic, no values and also want to be cool, like maybe just dip their toe into the world of crime, you know, like just losers
1: Disgustingly entitled Yes That is absolutely foul
0: Gross Um, Parents couldn't really squirm their way out of bearing 26 kids alive though So um, they um, all got sentenced to life in prison But with the possibility of parole Mm. Richard Schoenfeld was released on parole in 2012 James Schoenfeld, his brother, was released in 2015 Frederick Mm. Newell Woods IV, is still in prison (laughs) and he's been denied parole 19 times, mostly because he continues to minimise the crime and refuses to show any remorse. Mm. So, yeah, he's been denied parole 19 times and a a couple other reasons are because he's been caught with porn a bunch and with secret phones. So not only is he not sorry, but he keeps (laughs) breaking prison rules. (laughs) Um, But... Get this. This makes me so mad. Because his family is rich as F, he and his parents are clearly long since dead, he has a trust fund of more than $100 million. He's been caught a few times running businesses from prison through his lawyers. So he has, like, this very profitable gold mine, a bunch of car dealerships. He's been married three times while behind bars and purchased a mansion For his most recent wife to live in, that's half an hour from the prison so she can come and visit him all the time. Um, The last time he was denied parole was in October 2019 and his next parole hearing is scheduled for 2024 and if he gets out then he'll be 72 years old.
1: Well, I hope he doesn't get out and mm. what I wish more than anything else is that his wealth continues to grow and that one day it then actually gets dispersed among all the different families Well, that that's he the thing.
0: It already did. In 2016, the 25 oh. surviving kidnapped children settled a lawsuit against him, but because he's so rich, like, he had lawyers to kind of, like, you know, screw them over. So they did actually mm. get some money, but not a lot. One survivor said it was enough to get some serious therapy, but not enough to buy a house. So he's still rich. They all got a nominal amount of money, and that's it. And the kids um, really and did. That,
1: that was forty years after he'd actually committed the crime. It yeah, took them they a forty year fight to get money to pay for therapy.
0: Yeah. So twenty sixteen, there was one child had died. Uh, So there's 25 kids left and Ed had died as well, the bus driver. So 25 kids got a little bit of cash 40 years later and he's still a multi-multi-millionaire, this guy. It's gross. Um, The kids really did Mm -hmm. need therapy. A study of them in 1981, so that was five years after the kidnapping, showed that they were all suffering from PTSD or at least symptoms of having survived a trauma. Um, they were having panic attacks, flashbacks, nightmares, personality changes, emotional instability, and then when checked on again 25 years later, many of them were still suffering um, from those symptoms, but it had also grown into um, more severe depression, um, anxiety disorder, substance abuse for some of them. They still reported feeling panicked and not realising they were overreacting when they felt safe, unsafe or triggered, Um, One guy shot a BB gun at a tourist when their car broke down outside his house. Like that's just because they just were still experiencing that kind of trigger from the trauma. Um, Others were still afraid of the dark even in middle age, Um, which I totally get. I mean, when trauma happens to you at that young age, I've talked about this before, it affects the way your brain develops. And if you don't get serious help and serious therapy and work really hard at, um, getting better, it will just eat you up from inside. I mean, Mm. look at like, look at me. I still get anxiety. I had to take the week off last week. And so the thing that I think this happened in the seventies, probably therapy and trauma and PTSD, particularly PTSD was, I think still something that they only thought soldiers got. So mm. it was, I, I don't think a lot of these kids got the therapy they needed and talking to them as adults, it sounds like they desperately needed it and a lot of them were only getting it, you know, in midlife, you know, mm. when they were middle-aged and it had really effed a lot of them up um, trying to live with it for all that time. So the money for her- therapy really would have effing helped a lot earlier. You know what I mean? Mm. Ugh, it's infuriating. Um, Edward Ray, Ed, the bus driver, he received a California Schools Employees Association Award for Outstanding Community Service. Much deserved.
1: Did he get a little trophy? (laughs)
0: Probably. Um, He died in 2012, aged 91. And he, up until the day he died throughout his life, was visited by many of the children who'd been on the bus. He remained close to a lot of them. And now every February 26th in Chowchilla is known as Edward Ray Day.
1: That's nice. That's
0: nice. So that's a little nice positive thing to end on. And Mm. that is the story of the 1976 Chowchilla bus kidnapping.
1: That is absolutely nuts. Nuts. Before we wrap up, do you have any clue, the two guys who ended up out on parole, do you have any idea what became of them or where Um, they landed?
0: I don't know. I tried looking. I mean, I assume they're both, you know, they're brothers from a very wealthy family, so I assume they're, they're fine. Right. They probably just, you know, went back to their money and houses and off they went, I guess.
1: Which they do not deserve. I know. I, what they did is just one of the cruelest stories I've ever heard. That's-
0: I mean, I don't think I said, but by the time the kids crawled out of the hole... Um, I think they'd been down there for, some. It, it was like 26 hours or something. The whole thing had been like just awful. Like from when they got kidnapped to when they like nuts.
1: Yeah, horrendous. And how dare they even try to downplay it by saying, oh, it was only 26 hours and yeah. no one actually died um, because they've inflicted this lifetime of suffering on them with the mm-hmm. mental trauma that's going to keep coming back to haunt them probably no matter how much therapy they have um they sound like really vile human beings (laughs) yeah like you said it's insane that we haven't heard this story before I know
0: not so I mean I like I and there wasn't even a super amount on it like I got a lot of this from the Wikipedia page really and then from there I found links to a bunch of news stories and then I watched that um 48 hours like we survived episode which Mm. Isn't even available in Australia, so you've got to do some wink manoeuvring to even <laughs> wink watch it. Um, and I couldn't find like if you want to watch something about it in Australia, it's really hard to find anything. There was a couple things on YouTube, but like, it's weird that no one's heard of this. this is horrifying. Twenty six kids were abducted from a school bus and buried alive in a pit.
1: It's it and truly then escaped, is nightmare.
0: Escaped. Because the idiot, rich, entitled, arrogant kidnappers fell asleep and didn't check on them. Like, what? Oh,
1: wow. Mm. Okay, we can write that um, movie script slash musical <laughs> right. as well. We'll just add think, it to the list.
0: I think there, there was, like, a Lifetime movie about it or something, like, back in 1991 or, like, mm. um, which I would love to see. But, yeah, man, that's it. It's, like... A pretty cool story to tell just the gist of at a dinner party.
1: Yeah, no kidding. That was yeah. a corker. Thank yeah. you so much.
0: Oh, my gosh. You're welcome. So, um, yeah, we'll put all the um, extra bits in the show notes and that's it.
1: Yeah, I can't wait to go and look at some um pictures the of these footage, people.
0: The footage is nuts. That's what I want to tell everyone. Like, go and look up just the news footage at the time of all these shell-shocked little kids in these oversized prison jumpsuits, <laughs> like, getting off the bus and just not quite knowing, like, what's going on. And, it, yeah, Aww. it's nuts. It's like I can't even. It's the craziest story.
1: Oh, the poor little things. All right, that was brilliant. Thanks. Worth God. the wait. It's
0: been two weeks. I feel like I don't know how to end this now. How do we end <laughs> it again? <laughs> um, oh, follow Jacob on Instagram, Jacob William Stanley. Follow me, Rosie Waterland. Follow just the gist podcast at Instagram. Email hey, us. Uh, What's the email address again?
1: Uh just the gist podcast at gmail.com and PS what? I'm now actually an influenza because I think I told you this story. I was at a waterfall in the Atherton Tablelands in the (laughs) middle of nowhere and this couple approached me and said, are you, Jacob Stanley? We listened to the podcast and they'd booked in to go and go scuba diving with Scuba IQ because of the fact that I'd mentioned it. (gasps) The power
0: you wield, the power. Wait till you say something bad about a company and then you get in trouble because <laughs> <laughs> you got to be careful. The absolute degrade level of celebrity that you're approaching is where I'm sitting, and it's like just enough for people to get annoyed at you about things all the time, but not enough to get the actual benefits of being a famous person. So it's awesome.
1: Jamboree Recreation Park is going to come for Uh me.
0: No, I swear it's great. I love it. Best place ever. Jamboree is awesome, right? Come on,
1: it is. Yes, for sure. Yeah.
0: Well, Agreed. yeah. Actually, a girl came up to me on Saturday night when I was out with M, and um, just said, you know, she loves the podcast and blah blah blah. And she was really oh. lovely. And then I said, oh, actually, this is M. I don't know if you remember, but she's the mysterious co-host from the first episode who then disappeared. And she was like, oh my god! So <laughs> even <laughs> M's a little bit <laughs> famous.
1: Oh. <laughs> you all, all right. Mm.
0: Love you, and um, back okay. on track next Lots week. Love. Bye.
1: Yeehaw! Bye!